We are on the cusp of a major social change. Do you feel it? Even if you don't, make no mistake, change is coming, and it is going to be unforgettable. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Hart, and here on Prime Spark, where we work with and on behalf of women over 55, I want to help you find that spark that will ignite your way forward, reflect your gifts to the world, and illuminate your path through this next stage of life. Through these podcast conversations, I hope to inspire you to see how you can make a significant contribution to some of the gnarly problems that are facing us right now. Join me, and together, let's discover our prime spark. Hi, and welcome to Prime Spark. I'm Sarah Hart, and I'm so happy you're here with us. Prime Spark is designed for women over 55 or close with a goal to help us all live our happiest, most fulfilling and productive lives now and in the future. The mission of Prime Spark is to change the way our society sees and treats older women. That's a big mission, which only means we all need to be involved and we need to get going now. And today I have the great pleasure of talking with Betsy Clark, a woman whose work I greatly admire. Betsy has been a successful entrepreneur for 44 years. Previously working in interior design, Betsy created beauty with paint. Now she uses words. Her mission is to help women boldly bring their unique strengths to the table with confidence, courage, and the fullness of who they are. This transformational work places emphasis on their inherent brilliance, which helps them make solid decisions and get into action and create momentum to show up as they truly intend. To stand up on the inside and be unstoppable. Betsy has lived in Colorado Springs for over 30 years with her husband, and many dogs. She and Archie are truly happy campers. They travel frequently in their truck camper to play with their kids and grandkids to soak up the beauty of Colorado and the Wild West. Welcome, Betsy. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you, Sarah. I've been looking forward to this. You and I met a couple of months ago and got to say there was an instantaneous connection. So it's wonderful to continue that. Yes, I agree 100%. So Betsy, just to getting started, tell me what is your experience as you are getting older? It's funny because I am in my late 60s and I still I still continue to think of myself in my mid 50s. I I I think age is overrated that number and with it has come tremendous wisdom. So there's this beautiful balance of getting older, but getting wiser. And I think being working smarter and living more fulfilled lives. You know, at this point, I've talked to a couple hundred women. And I'll bet you 90, 95% of them say something similar to that. They yeah. feel, they don't. Maybe some physical stuff is changing, but other than that, they feel better. They feel uh, freer. They feel like 
I don't care very much as much as I did what you think. Um, and in my own self, I feel as if I'm 40 or 50. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm having some oral surgery done tomorrow and at like noon and I'm driving from Colorado Springs to Denver, which to the airport, which is about an hour and a half away. And I'm going to go pick up a speaker at 1030 at night. So we'll probably get home around one o'clock. And then I speak the next day. And someone said, uh, Bats, you know, you're not 50 anymore. And I said, well, really? What, what's your point? And she said, do you think that you should have someone else do that? I mean, you're you're having this procedure and, and then you're going to stay up really late. And do you think you're going to be able to think clearly on Wednesday when you speak? And I'm going, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I need more sleep, but that's not a bad thing. Naps are just delicious. And I don't want to limit myself by saying, oh, I'm going to be a little tired and I, you know, blah, 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 blah. I just don't want to live a life of excuses. It's really interesting, Betsy. I had a tooth extracted uh, last week and people said, oh, you'll come home then and just rest on the couch for the day. And I'm why? Why would I do that? You know, so I... I came to my office to work and I worked all day and I went home that night. And um, I'm thinking, isn't that interesting? Because if I had gone from the oral surgeon to my home and lay on the couch all day, I would have felt awful. Unless you had a really good, great, juicy book that you wanted to read. And that was what you chose to do. I right. think it's about isn't it, Sarah? Yes, it is about choice. But, well, I had a mother, bless her, who's no longer with us. And um, I was well taken care of if I was sick. But by golly, you didn't get sick. You just didn't get sick. <laughs> and you had to be really sick not to go to school. So. Um, that's how I grew up. So I have to be really in bad shape in order to stay home. I'm not yeah. saying that's necessarily good, but I think it's better than being on the other end of the continuum. Well, I think it gets back to choice. It's what we know. And as we get older, we're able to listen to our bodies if if we will pay attention. And I think, again, it's what are you consciously doing? Are you sleepwalking through life? I was raised by uh, parents who, if we were sick and it was negligible, if we were really sick or not, my dad would have us memorize a poem. And that was, I mean, like my friends would watch TV and have ice cream and all that sort of stuff. Not my family. If you were sick, you stayed in your room and you memorized a poem. I can't remember any of them now, <laughs> but we weren't sick that often because it wasn't what it was all cracked up to be, you know, how other, my friends were raised. And so now I'm really glad I get to check in, you know, is this really going to be, is this going to serve me well? Is this helpful or is this not helpful? Yes. And I think that that's one of the blessings with getting a bit older, that finally you can get to the point and really pay attention to 
is this is this going to be um, successful for me, or is this probably not a very good idea right now? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's real wisdom in that. There is. There's no question about that. I have. A, I remember one time a friend of mine. We were talking about this, and I was talking about what I told you. I told her that story, and she said, "When I wake up in the morning, I try to figure out if I feel well enough to go to work." And I thought, "Oh my goodness, <laughs> what?" A, I hope that my face. I hope my face didn't. Um, show what I was thinking, but I thought, oh, gee, many <laughs> You and I had the same expression on our face. <laughs> <laughs> so, Betsy, you went from, from um, design to, to people designed. Talk about yeah. that, how you made that change and why you made it. So it's interesting. I have been a coach my whole life. I'm an award-winning athlete. I went to school on a scholarship. Thank you to Title IX. It was one of the first years they had Title IX for women. And my very first business I bought at 23, and I was a weight loss coach before there was a weight loss industry. And we ended up, I ended up getting pregnant, having children. My husband and I were both raised in artistic families, and I was actively expressing my artisticness he did not know he was artistic. And so once he lay hold of that, we went into business and we did faux finishes. Back in the day, people were calling them fox finishes, where you would paint specialty paint techniques on walls. And then we moved into doing um, specialty wood finishes at the Broadmoor and doing historic restorations, homes, commercial space. And always in the back of my mind, I knew I was supposed to have a microphone in my hand. The joke in my family is I was born with a microphone in my hand. I'll sing to anybody, whether I can sing or not. I'll, I'll talk. Anybody give me a microphone, I'll grab it. And I had an accident. My husband and I had a, a family business doing these specialty finishes. My kids worked with us. And I went over my handlebars of my bike and I broke my teeth. I broke some stuff in my hand and I got a really bad concussion. It, it <laughs> rung my bell big time. And so I had surgery and I'm up on the top of this two-story scaffold and I got a little chip brush and I'm blending in the colors between the ceiling and the wall. But because I had my hand in a cast, I dropped the chip brush and I had to climb down this scaffolding two stories down pick up the brush and climb back up two stories. Okay. And I got to the top of that scaffold and I had the world's worst vertigo. And I thought, if I fall, I'm going to fall on Sotia tile and I am going to have an even bigger concussion than I currently have right now. And I, I climbed down and I told my husband, I said, I love you. And I think we need to diversify. You stay in this business. I will do something else. And so I pursued coaching and speaking. I'm a public speaker and a coach. And it's this call that has never gone away. And I, I'm guessing there's some women in their 50s and 60s who, who have a call. And it's like a kind of it's like keeping a beach ball underwater. It takes a lot of energy to keep it from popping up. 
and we keep it submerged so that we don't have to address the call. But your your goals and your dreams can dissipate. They can they can leave, right? Like a little vapor or a mist. But a calling never goes away. It never lets you rest because it's always there. So that at the end of our days, we're fully expressed because we have unique skills and talents and strengths that equip us to fulfill that calling. And so I just knew I needed to use the words. I love words. My friends jokingly call me the word nerd. And you and I kind of experienced that when we first met. And I now, I help excavate all these beautiful, juicy, unexpressed words that these women are living that they can't see. Because when you're in the jar, you can't read the label on the outside. It takes someone else to reflect back to you. I see this in you. I see this in you. And what's so fun is I'm going to be turning 68 pretty soon, and I am in the process of signing a contract on a new business. And so I'm, I, I realize I've got at least another 15 years of business acumen in me, and my, my calling is to help women find their voice and have the courage to speak their mind. So when you said, do you want to come on this podcast? I'm going, well, count me in, girlfriend, because it's exactly... What I want to do is I want to speak life and and encourage women and give them agency to say, yes, I give myself permission to follow this calling, even though external advice says I'm crazy as a coot. I know this is my calling and I I will leave unfulfilled if I don't express this calling. I know you may not be ready to say this publicly, but what is this new business you're signing on for? I am not at liberty to to say anything about it until the ink is dry, the I's are dotted, and the T's are crossed. And I would love to have a conversation with you about this in a couple of weeks. I will I will sign up for that. I would love to know. Okay. I'm so curious. Okay. I'm just popping. I know. I know. That was one big pivot. Um, And thank goodness you got off the scaffold and didn't go back on that. Um, Any other pivots that you made in your life? I've, I, I had that uh, weight loss business before there was a weight loss industry. So it was, it was a short period. I had to, I had to make a decision what kind of mother for me? And this doesn't mean that if you worked when your kids were little, there's any judgment there. I just took a couple of years off while my kids were infants. And I was offered, I could, I could sell ice cubes to, you know, an iceberg. I love words. I love people. I love conversation and potential. And so I was offered a sales position when my son was quite young and I was overqualified according to them, which I'm not sure that's true, but I didn't get the job and it was really discouraging for me. 
And I remember walking my dog, just going, what, what is up with this? I see no opportunity in front of me. This was like, this was almost a sealed deal. That's why I'm a little hesitant to share anything till I sign a contract. And it was in that moment that my husband said, can I sit down with you? I've, I've done some back work and I hope you don't mind, but I see that you could study color theory in San Francisco. You could do this, you could do that about getting our faux finishing and specialty wood finishing business going. And I'm thinking, hmm, well, I don't want to do this by myself. I got two small kids. Where are you in this process? Here's where limiting beliefs can hold us back, whether you're a man or a woman. It's, it, limiting beliefs is not a respecter of people. It's, a, um, it's an unmanaged mindset when we let limiting beliefs rule the day. This guy that I married, is he has one of the best eyes for color that I've ever met. But he, he never gave himself permission or had the deep understanding that this was a gift and a strength. Because when we do something, Sarah, effortlessly, like your strengths, you think, well, it, doesn't everybody think this way? It, isn't this something that everybody knows? Because it's all we know. We don't see the value or the worth in it. And we certainly don't see it as something that's marketable. And so I said, okay, if, if me going to San Francisco to learn about color theory is good for me, I would say learning how to do gold leaf and silver leaf and, and bronze and all the gilding that would be good for you. That would help our business. And so we had to invest heavily in education back in the, the 80s when it was a, a, an industry that no one really understood, just like the weight loss industry. I kind of love these industries that are that take discretionary income. It isn't a have to have, but it's one of those things that amplifies someone's life. If they will say yes, you know, getting your health back can amplify your life. Creating a home that's beautiful where you feel safe, it's a, a haven that reflects who you be, that's a beautiful thing. It amplifies your life. Coaching is another thing where if you're willing to do the work to grow and develop and to bring your best self forward in incremental ways, life gets juicy and vibrant and exciting because you're doing it your way. So for me, it was coming out of college with a degree. I'm thinking, what am I going to do with that? And going into an industry, I had to pivot. Then I had to, when I sold that business and I went into motherhood, I was clueless how to be a mother. I did not have a manual for that. So that felt like a pivot. I never babysat two times in my life. I babysat one time and the kid locked me out of the house. So I'm thinking, I'm not a good mother. I am not a good candidate to be a mother. So that was a pivot. In the midst of that, having an opportunity to express my artistic ability and to work with my boyfriend, who happened to be my husband, that was unbelievable. But it was risky. And the same thing to walk away from a proven 35-year business with my husband, who I still love working with, that's risky. And so I think 
For me, Sarah, it's courage. How willing am I to be courageous? How willing am I to have self-trust that if I fail, it's not a failure. It's a learning. It's a step forward in how to readjust. And so really, a fulfilled life is a life of pivots where you make decisions that maybe other people don't understand. If you have self-trust and you're aligned, you can work through pretty much anything. I think when you were talking that that one of the it's scary to make that kind of a pivot. For me, in the pivots I've made, I think the thing that was scarier was staying where I was. Yeah. That to me was really scary. It was it the unknown was scary, but it almost wasn't as scary with with what I knew and it was just not right anymore. Yeah. And so what does it cost us. Say again. What does it cost us? Yeah. To that's sp- right. To play a smaller game. It costs us everything. Right. That's right. How did you how was your husband able to you said in the beginning, you said he didn't know he was artistic. When did he realize he was? When I held the mirror up to his face. And I said, do you, and I, I am the artist in the family and I can't see color the way you do. You can break color down. And in a way, I can't even begin to understand. That's a gift. And if we marry your gift of color with my creativity, we're unstoppable. And so I went. And learned how to be able to mix any color with only three tints. And what's so fun is in this process, because you're very, you're very subjective, okay, about art. Art is a very subjective thing. And so we would go and we would get our kids to come into the studio and say, all right, because I would have to mix special colors for clients all the time. And so did Archie. And we would say to our kids, okay, so... This is how I see this color. I'm off by just a little bit. What do you see? And now my artist, my daughter is an artist and she is known for her color sense. You never know how you're impacting the people around you when you say yes to you. Yes. Um, yes. And what a what a lucky daughter have you as a mother who helped her see that because that wouldn't happen in all families. So good for you, Betsy. Well, we both were raised, both my husband and I were raised by mothers who were artists and didn't fit in a box. And I like my rings, I have three rings on that my mother-in-law made for me. So I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So Betsy, what are some questions you're living with right now? The number one thing I am working on right now is how do I step into courage more authentically? 
because what I'm stepping into is a risk. I've got a very successful coaching practice. I I speak as much as I want to. I do podcasts. I live a very good life. And there's this, this inner urging to be a little bit bolder. And so that to me is how do I step out in wisdom and boldness and courage in a way that is in align with my calling, in alignment with my calling? And so that's my question. What does courage look like for me going into my 70s? Well, what strikes me, Betsy, is that your courage for you going into your 70s sounds like it's not going to be all that different from your courage going into other things that you went into at diff- at earlier points in your life. You're just at another point in life, and the context may be a little bit different, but it, it feels like the same kind of thing. It's It's bigger. I think I'll be more vulnerable. I'll be more visible. And you and I talked about this when we met. You know, we talk about ROI, what's the return on investment? And I heard someone ask, what is COI? And that's the cost of inaction. What does it cost us to sit on our derriere? But more importantly, and this is this is my take on it, when I heard COI, I thought about what's the cost of invisibility? By playing a smaller game, by not getting on stages, by not doing podcasts, by not speaking, not doing videos, not doing social media in a, in a very strategic way, that will turn into COI, which is the cost of impact. And to me, that's the issue. Impact is the issue. Impact is the issue. Not being silent, not being invisible, not playing with, you know, I feel like as we get older, there's this huge thing about ageism. And, um, you know what, I apologize. I can't think of Albert Brooks, I believe. He wrote Strengths to Strengths. And he talks about how if you have a startup on your board, you need to have someone who's in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, or at least one person within that age range, because what they bring is invaluable. They bring a perspective and a wisdom that we don't have. I remember sitting with my my in-laws, and I'm just off on a wild tangent, one more entrepreneurial idea and them sitting there and asking me questions. And I'm thinking, how, where are those questions coming from? How do they know to ask those questions? I mean, they, they, they helped me course correct so many times as did my parents, but there's a perspective that you have as you age that when we're younger we we don't have who well, who I can't remember the uh, um the author of this quote. Um, youth is wasted on the young. Yes, I love that. I love that quote, and I I think I think that's true. And in those moments when I feel like, well, am I still relevant? Do I still have value? Does it does it matter that I'm coming into this conversation in my late sixties? I go back to that. Youth is wasted on the young. 
Yes, that and the importance of, um, I mean, I hope, I hope that finally, in some organizations at least, they're starting to recognize the importance of intergenerational teams, just for the reason that you said, that we have very different thought patterns. We have very different experiences. Our brains work differently when we're older and when we're younger. Um, And Ageism works also for people who are young because they're too young to do this, that, and the other thing. But it's not as intense because we have such a youth culture. Yeah. Yeah. So do you experience ageism, particularly gendered ageism in your work? Or do you hear women you work with experience it? You know, that was the one question that stumped me that you and I had talked about. And I, now that I, I hope this comes off the way I intend it to. We have a reticular activating system in our brain, our RES, okay? So if I say to you, Sarah, it's so interesting. Well, this is true. Okay, um, we just bought a, uh, we just leased a new car in January and I had never seen a VW Tiguan. I, I didn't even know they existed. And so after we went and talked to this, this salesperson, uh, it took him about a week to find a car. And I wanted a spicy red with tan saddle leather interior. And I'd never seen one of these cars, much less a red one. Well, guess how many cars I saw on the road in that one week period? Because what had happened is I had said to my brain, I said, brain, pay attention to pay attention to Tiguans on the road. Are there a lot of them on the road? Are they a reliable car? You know, like this litany of questions. And so to be honest with you, Sarah, and maybe this is oversimplifying, right? But I see what I see. And if I want to see discrimination or ageism or injustice or whatever, I'll see it. But if I see opportunities for women, regardless of their age or their education or their skin color or their weight or their height or their education, I'll see what I see. I'll see opportunities. And so it's it's out there. I get that. I'm a realist. I understand it. But I'm not going to be stymied and constrained by it. And so if if you're in the other position, I don't want to be offensive, but I believe that my intentions inform what I find. I absolutely agree with you, Betsy. Um, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, that I think if, if somebody pays attention, that kind of thing you described with your car happens to all of us. So, I mean, yes. yeah. Um, the 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 sentiments that you feel about that do you is that do you find that with all the women you work with do they f- feel that way too so here's i call myself a transformation coach and honestly if we're going to distill like what does that mean betsy i'm a mindset coach i started reading psychocybernetics when i was 16 years old Who does that at 16? But someone who understands the power of their thoughts. And so 
if someone comes to me to work with me, they are looking to be more open-minded, to move from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. But there's something even juicier than that. There's a benefit mindset. And so the women that come to me are coachable. They're looking for perspectives. They understand that if they keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, they're going to keep getting the same results. So if they want to change, and change is scary, but in order to have growth, we need to be willing to change. These women come to me because they want a different perspective. They want to reframe their perspective. So Sarah, play with me for a second. Imagine you have a kaleidoscope. And unfortunately, my kaleidoscope is on the other side of my office. But imagine. I love kaleidoscopes, by the way. You want me to go get my kaleidoscope or should I just do it as a, a mental image? Whatever you'd prefer. Okay. Don't go anywhere. If you come and you come onto this talk and I'm not here, I'm coming right back. Hold on. Okay. Here's a kaleidoscope. Okay. So imagine you're looking through this kaleidoscope and you get this mental image. Okay, it's this beautiful mosaic of colors and shapes. And I ask you to take the end piece and turn it a quarter turn to the right. Okay, what happens? The picture changes, right? Whole new picture. Okay, okay, okay. So I want you to go back and turn it a quarter turn to the left. Is the picture the same? No. No, because you see, once there's a shift, the whole picture changes and you can't go back. That's the, that's the power of reframing and perspective. And so the women that come to me are attracted to, I guess, the way I think. And so I don't get I don't get a lot of resistance because these are women who want to lay down their limiting beliefs to entertain other ways of thinking so that they can have different ways of being. And so, Sarah, it's not, I I believe it is such a huge issue. And yet I don't find it, I don't find a whole lot of it in my life. Fantastic. Fantastic. One of the things that's right in line with what you just said and your whole philosophy that you've talked about so far is Strengths Finder. Yes. Which you use a lot, right? Yes. I'm a Gallup certified strengths coach. Yes. I love that. I do too. Can you describe it for somebody who's not heard of it? Okay, so Don Clifton, who created this assessment, and I don't know how the assessment works. That's not, it's above my pay grade. It's not one of my strengths. I work with the people who understand how that works. And they let me do what I do well. I let them do what they do well. But Don Clifton was so tired of people going, ah, what's wrong with me? And how to reframe that to encourage and focus people to come from the the standpoint of what's right with you and how do we leverage that and here here's the thing is 
these are your top five. These are your top five strengths. Okay. So this is what makes you shine your brilliance here. Here are my top five strengths. Okay. So oftentimes what happens is we feel like we're supposed to be a well-rounded individual, right? It's so here's the roundedness. And what happens is we squeeze the life force out of those things by trying to be everything to everybody. We can't do it. And it just, it fuels people pleasing and it's so dissatisfying and it's not engaging and it's discouraging and people burn out. But what happens when you bring your brilliance to the table and I bring my brilliance to the table and we come together in the fullness of our strengths and we come like this and we're like two cogs in a wheel. We can move something much bigger than ourselves when we align with people who complement our strengths so that, Sarah, you don't have to do the things that are easy for me and are difficult for you. And I can say, oh, Sarah, I'm not, that's not my strength. I'll manage my weaknesses, but I'm going to give you this so that together as a team, we can be more engaging, more fruitful, more productive. And it doesn't cost us all sorts of energy and angst because we're not operating in our strengths. And so what happens is a lot of people will take this assessment and they go, well, tell me something I don't know. These are, I know these words, but they don't know how to leverage it. They don't know how to apply it. And so I just got this statistic yesterday. 30 million people have taken the Strengths Finders assessment. When I started as a coach for them, it was only 3 million. Wow. I know. I know. So there's this movement of why are we, why are we addicted to struggle? And working out of our weaknesses just to be well-rounded individuals. What if we embrace, I can do this, but I can't do that as well as you do. So let me do what I do well and you do what you do well. And let's, let's be a movement. Let's make change. Let's make impact. Because we, we have the energy to stay focused at, on what we do well. It is so opposite from what so many, I hope it's changing, but I think of, I was, I was working for several years as a consultant to an organization, and I, during that time, worked very hard at trying to get them to use StrengthsFinders, StrengthsFinder in their co-performance appraisal system, rather than what they were using, which was a discussion of everything that everybody did wrong. Yeah, and the most you will run into this with with a, you've done so much work with it. But one of the things I kept running into were managers who thought that that um, people wouldn't get any better, that they'd just get soft if you just talk about their strengths. They they will they will they will not improve anything. I can't just I can't just. Um, you know, tell people that they're good at these things. I have to tell them what's wrong with what they're doing. There's a word for that. It's called bass backwards. Yeah, but it is it is so ingrained, or at least it was. I don't know. This was several years ago, so I'm hoping I things are it, different. I think it's getting better. Good. I really do. 
30 million people have taken the assessment. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I love oh, it. Yeah, I'm really, really happy about that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Good. So, Betsy, you know, can't talk about what's next. I understand that. Um, but of all the things you're doing now, what are you proudest of? Or are the things you have done? Probably make me cry is my grandchildren. That's not the expected comment because it's all about work. I have, I am very fortunate, I would say blessed to have a family where we are expanding and we are very involved in one another's lives. And, um, my biggest delight that's only happened in the last month is I used to make muffins for my kids all the time when they were little. And because I live in in um, Colorado Springs at 6,500 feet, it's really hard to bake here. You know, when I lived in San Diego, it was, it was so easy to bake. Or if I was raised in Boston, you could bake there. But it's hard at this, this uh, altitude. And so I have started baking muffins for my little my little baby treasures, this, my grandchildren. And I got to tell you, it is so much fun to have them throw raisins in and, you know, just stir things in. And my kitchen is a mess. And I just, I'm so proud of my children. And one of my kids has had a really hard time um, conceiving a child. And so we just feel like we're in this very, very sweet spot because I work, I work very diligently. I take my, my businesses quite seriously, probably to the point of being very intense, but it matters. And I also play very hard. Uh, we have a truck camper. We go camping with our kids and our dogs, and we're just, it's like a goat rodeo. They're just kids and dogs and it's wild. And it's just really, really fun. So I, I think I'm proudest of my children and watching them parent. It's it's one of the dearest things that's happened to me. And when I hear you talk about all that, what I think, and this you didn't say this, so I will say this, of the life you've put together for yourself. Yeah. What a wonderful, wonderful life you've put together for yourself. Well, that's interesting, Sarah. My dad just passed away in January and he was a hundred years old. And he he set a really, really good example. And my brother-in-law writes um for the New York Times and he did a an essay on my dad and he said, My dad lived a quietly extraordinary life. And so I hope to draft behind that legacy that my dad left for me. And he was a really, really good example for my family and me. And my kids were very involved in his life. He was very involved in their life. And it, it, I feel very, very blessed to have had the dad and the mother that I had. I lost my mother when I was young. But um, yeah, dad did a great job showing us how to life, to do life well. That's lovely. And the irony of all of that, I'll I'll end on this one. It's funny because as we were, you know, we, I went back and was on a 10 day watch for his final days 
And one of my brother-in-laws knew to the, he's been in the family 25 years, but he said, you know, I never understood what your father did for work. And my husband has known my dad for 50 years. And he said, you know what? I got to tell you, my favorite thing about my dad was that he never talked about his work. He talked about his garden. He talked about sailing, skiing, the volunteer work he did. I mean, like he was so involved and a son-in-law that had known him for 25 years never knew what he did for a living. He was not defined. His identity was not defined by his work because he lived so authentically that he didn't have to be identified with this title. And that is rare in, in anybody, particularly in any man, particularly in any man of that generation. So he was truly a unique human being. Yeah. I was a lovely man. Yeah. Let's see, this has been absolutely wonderful. I loved every minute of it. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? They can go to my website, which is coach the number two and strengths. Now, strengths is a wonky word. Everybody kind of gets that backwards. So it's S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H-E s.com. And Sarah, I don't know if this is okay, but you know what? Here's a, this is a grace card. And this is to give you permission to love, accept, and forgive yourself. And I would be happy if you go to the website, you can fill out a form and I need your mailing, uh, your PO box or your mailing address so I can send you some actual uh, grace cards. But when I look at this grace card, it's loving and accepting yourself. But the hardest part I have found in feedback from the women who have this is forgiving yourself. And so the definition I use for forgiveness is letting go of the past you wish you'd had. And so if you want a grace card, go to this uh, coachtostrengths.com. You can set up time to, you know, if you want to continue a conversation, but I will send you some grace cards. Um, we all need grace. Grace is given freely and liberally. And the issue is, can you receive grace from yourself? And when you do that, you become unstoppable and life becomes juicy. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Yeah. So that's our time today. Please join us again. You can find our Prime Spark podcast on every popular outlet. Find out more about Prime Spark at www.primesparkwomen.com. Thank you so much to my guest, Betsy Clark. And don't forget, you can find her at Coach, the numeral two, Strengths, S T R E N G T H S dot com. Thank you for being with us. Take care. Spread tolerance and love. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to stay updated, you can head over to my website, primesparkwomen.com, and get my free spark guide, Seven Questions to Ignite Your Spark, to help you discover your own spark. See you in the next episode.